This is Project Inspire, a Haslam interview series created and produced by students in the Haslam College of Business at the University of Tennessee Knoxville and sponsored by Haslam's Office of Student Engagement. In this episode, we are joined by Larry Pratt. Mr. Pratt is the chairman and founder of First Savings Mortgage Corporation, a company that is now Washington, D.C.'s largest private mortgage lender. Since founding First Savings, he's maintained a passionate focus on charitable works, supporting causes that span from affordable housing programs to minority education efforts to improving student athletic programs right here at the University of Tennessee. Welcome to episode eight of Project Inspire. My name is Lillian. In this episode, we are joined by Mr. Larry Pratt. Mr. Pratt, how are you doing today? Great, Lillian, thank you. All right, awesome. Well, I hear you have a UT baseball game to catch after this, is that correct? Yes, so I only have about three and a half hours. Three and a half hours, all right, I think hopefully we can get that done in that time. All right, awesome, well, let's just jump right into the questions. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your time growing up in Athens, Tennessee, you know, being in that small town environment. What were some of your goals or plans for yourself at that time? Uh, the main goal was to probably get out of there, you know, but uh, small town and, and ironically, I just stopped there today on the way here. It's 50 miles away to see uh, a lady that had just turned 100. So I went to visit her, but um, I knew I wanted to get out of that mode. Um, I had seen my brother, who was five years older, go up north to a college, and he was living in New York. So I wanted to explore a little bit, but um, I was very intimidated because it's, it's one thing to have all the comforts around you, family, your friends, and you read in the papers, you know, what's going on in the world, and that Athens, Tennessee was never mentioned, you know, really. So it was Atlanta or wherever. But it was good for me to learn values. Um, I remember my, my mother would visit a lot and through the church, maybe would visit people that were sick and stuff. And you know, what happens is you don't really appreciate or understand what you're learning until later in life. So uh, it was a good, it was a good foundation for me. Did you have any early ambitions of wanting to be an entrepreneur or starting your own business? Like, was this a life you ever imagined for yourself? Uh, I had dreams, like yeah. I guess all of us, uh, but my really, I wanted to be a baseball coach. And, uh, but I think I, I made the right call, even though uh, I like that. And, and that part, Lillian, to me is coaching is teaching. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've done that really in my career. And so, uh, I guess that's where I would connect it to. Uh, but um, now I, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but, uh, and I did not know what I wanted to do when I was graduating from Tennessee. Mm -hmm. So I'll tell the listeners and your cohorts that it's okay to have a little fear. You just don't know. Mm -hmm. So, and life can change at any level, 20, 30, 40, 50, whatever, so. You may not know what you want to have done, but at the very least, you knew you wanted to get out. I wanted to get out, and and, and uh, I knew some fields that didn't appeal to me. Uh, a lot of my good friends uh, got married right out of high school and stayed there, and they're friends of mine today, and they're happy with their lifestyle. I just wanted a different path, and I wasn't sure what it was, but I wanted a different path. Well, you touched a little bit on your parents, and so I want to mm -hmm. sort of continue that conversation. Mm -hmm. Your parents have been a really wonderful source of motivation for you, as I pray mm -hmm. all parents are to their children. But 
continue to espouse their wisdom and their their knowledge, you know, even to this day. So what are some of the great life lessons that your parents have taught you that you think our audience can, mm-hmm. you know, really benefit from? Good. Thank you. Uh, my parents um, were both from Knox County. They were, grew up on farms outside this area, but in Knox County. Uh, they weren't able to go to college, but um, they had strong work ethics. And once again, as I alluded to earlier, I learned things, lessons came to fruition later in my life uh, that I learned from them. It's like, uh, do what I do, not what I say. So we weren't one of those families, it was four of us, my brother and I. We weren't one of those that sat around the table and let's talk about what happened today and world affairs or something. But was, uh, we were into activities. My brother was more into music. I was more into sports. My father worked long hours and my mother worked long hours. And so uh, we would eat quickly and, uh, and go on, whatever. But I learned uh, how my father used to strategize and uh, my mother was very disciplined. And uh, thankfully now she made me wash dishes and iron and learn to do things like that, how to do it properly or wax the wooden floor, things of that nature that I despised. But I enjoy it kind of now, you know, but uh, thankfully I don't have wood floors. But uh, so those things develop and and become part of your life later. And for that, uh, their guidance and how they treated others was... uh, great lessons for me. Awesome. Well, I want to transition a little bit away from your childhood and into your time at university. By the time you graduated college, you were already pretty fair along in terms of life experience. Mm-hmm. You were a father already. You were raising a family. You had served time in the military. Mm-hmm. You had three part-time jobs. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's a lot to have on, you know, any plate. Mm-hmm. But as a student, what was it like balancing those many obligations? Well, I'm glad you left my childhood because that was so long ago. You know, I'm forgetting a lot of it. But um, so when I first got uh, out of high school, I did not want to come to University of Tennessee. I felt like it was too large a school for me. And uh, once again, the small upbringing. So I went to East Tennessee State in uh, Upper Johnson City, Upper East Tennessee. And that was good for me. It was a smaller size, maybe 8,000 students. So the transition uh, was easier for me. And then I transferred here. And uh, I was not one of our stellar students. Uh, I was enjoying the life because it was totally different than where I grew up that was very structured and very disciplined. And uh, beer was cheap, so uh, I had fun. But, uh, and then, uh, I, I went into the military. This was during the Vietnam War, and I, I had a draft, and um, and they took people that hadn't finished in four years, and I wasn't through in four years. So uh, I served in the military, which which turned out to be good for me. Uh, I learned a lot of things that I didn't want to do, and I saw other people that were un, unhappy with their careers, and so I thought. I want to find what, what maybe uh, is really going to appeal to me. And so um, I got married and had a child during that time, and I came back, and, and then I had almost a year left to finish. I will add that I was on the dean's list when I came back. I had a different perspective on school when I came back. 
And even though I would work jobs when I was going through school, uh, that was just give, helping me with my spending money. So uh, I got much more focused uh, when I uh, got out of school, latter part. So I, I graduated when I was, uh, I just turned 24. So uh, I was one of the older classmates. Not at all. But I was going to say, like East Tennessee State, you had originally gone there because you preferred that it was a little bit of a smaller college. So why what was the motivation to go to UT then? Uh, I felt like I was ready to handle it, mm -hmm. you know, because that was really my dream school. University of Tennessee was my school. Uh, it, it had served a big function in my life growing up. Uh, my father would uh, usually get get to be able to bring me to one football game a year and maybe one basketball game. That's the tickets were expensive. They were three or four dollars and and uh, and that's all we could afford. So that was a bond from my father and I. And so uh, I just wanted to always come to Tennessee, but I just felt like that was too big a leap for me uh, personally to handle when I was 18, 19 years old. Well, that's awesome that that connection to UT extends all the way back from mm -hmm. your relationship with your father. So right, that's right. really wonderful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So moving on a little bit, I want to talk a little bit about the process of building your company. Mm -hmm. So you built First Savings Mortgage Corporation um, from the ground up to become DC's largest private mortgage lender. Mm -hmm. What was the most challenging time for you as a business owner in either building your business or maybe afterwards? Mm -hmm. uh, good question. They, uh, I've had numerous challenges. Uh, the mortgage industry, I started in Nashville uh, a little, a few years after I had graduated from Tennessee. And then a job change in Atlanta, uh, located then in Florida, and I moved to uh, the Northern Virginia, the DC area in 85. And I started this company that's still in existence, thankfully, in 1989. So this is our 33rd year. and. Probably as with any startup business, the, the biggest challenge is adequate capital. And, you know, when, when every, anyone presents a pro forma financial statement, I've never seen a bad one. You know, here's how I'm going to succeed. Or it's a lady doing a clothing store. Here's how much money I'm going to make. Or we, don't, we don't realize the bumps in the roads that we don't even know are going to be there. And so, and in my case, I didn't have money myself uh, to do it. I got 12 stockholders to put money in, but we just didn't get enough commitment. And so for the first three years, I didn't know if we could make it. I, I wasn't making enough money to live on. I, uh, I would remember I'd get my visa statements and I didn't want to open them. You know, so it was a real struggle, struggle, but I believed in what I was doing. Now, I, I had been in the mortgage banking field about, let's say, 14, 15 years prior. So I had knowledge that I felt like was going to serve its purpose. But you still need to make a payroll and things of that nature. So there were a lot of challenges at that part. And then we started uh, making progress and growing the company and uh, and, and it was probably the fourth year before we started doing something meaningful. And the fourth year, I'm in my mid-40s. So this wasn't, you know, a 25-year-old. So uh, it took a long time, a lot of bumps in the roads for me to start achieving some success. And so it was about mid-90s and, and uh, when I felt like then 
okay, we're really, I think we're on the right path and we've done the right things. We kept building and getting talented people. And then I was fortunate enough to borrow money and pay off the other stockholders. So uh, that's where we stayed today. So that was one of my goals during that period mm -hmm. to have complete ownership. Yeah, no, that's incredible. I think a lot of students here at Haslam have ambitions of becoming entrepreneurs mm -hmm. and starting their own business. So what's something that maybe you want them to be aware of moving into the future that maybe you weren't aware of right. when you started your business? The, uh, uh, some things uh, you don't realize the value until you reach a certain level. For me, I found my passion and I would say that's what you need to find. Find your passion. Don't start out your first job thinking I've got to find the most money I can make. Find your passion. The monetary rewards can come later. Uh, so after I came back to uh, the Army and graduated, and then it was about two years later when I took a job in the mortgage field, when I got in there, it really clicked. Mm -hmm. And then I went back uh, to night school in Nashville to work on my master's degree, but really only wanted accounting courses so I could read more financial statements and understand like that because I didn't pay enough attention when I was an undergrad. And so then I wanted to learn every area uh, I, that I could in my field. And that's a mistake I think a lot of people make sometimes in their field. They get in one area, sales or operations or technology. And it's hard to really relate to the other field. You'll be much more valuable to get a broad perspective of whatever industry you, you get into. And where that served me was when we weren't sure we could even make it when I first started the company, 89, early 90s. The advantage I had, I could keep the fixed costs down from labor because so many of those jobs I knew or I could hire someone entry level and train them and I could bring them in a much lower pay scale than if I had to hire someone with five or 10 years experience. So my broad knowledge wound up saving me. And then I adopted that as part of our company's philosophy. So even to this day, 33 years later, we cross-train all our personnel. So even though we know you're gonna be, let's say a great salesperson, I want you to have some knowledge of the others. It'll make you a better employee. We get more loyalty and it just, it's part of our culture. No, that's really wonderful advice. I think a lot of students maybe come into university with the first ambition being an entrepreneur mm -hmm. and then they'll find whatever industry is afterwards. So in your instance, was it when you got into that specific industry, did then click, okay, I think I can start my own business or maybe were you always looking for an industry to maybe um, begin your business in? No, uh, when I got in it, I did not think I wanna have my own business. Mm -hmm. uh, when I first got it in Nashville, I was so scared and intimidated, even though now I'm, let's say, 27 years old at that time. But that was like a New York to me, coming from my hometown. And so, as, as I will say to a lot of people, the way we improve or the way we achieve greater things is to get out of our comfort zone. So for me, my comfort zone was getting out of Athens, Tennessee, the small town. I had all the comforts there. I needed to find out if I could handle other challenges. There's nothing wrong with being from a small town. For me, I just needed something that, that challenged myself. And so when I moved first to Nashville, 
And then I saw people that grew up with, let's say, money. As we say, they grew up on second base or third sure. base, you know. And I was in the batter's box still, you know, almost striking out. But anyway, so that helped me gradually. And then the next job I took was for a nationwide company and sent me to Atlanta and I covered 11 states. So then I understood from people from DC down to Florida and their different business styles. And as I travel and meet those people, I learned that, wait a minute, maybe they're just not as smart as I thought they were, but I was gonna outwork them and outstudy them. So those were challenges for me, uh, but I never thought I still wanna own a company. I just wanted to be better than I could, that was before, learn more. And so, uh, and then it turned into a nationwide job with another company. And so uh, those were really beneficial for me uh, in development of a style, uh, personality, uh, business connections, networking, loyalty. Uh, a lot of people that we deal bis do business with today, I've known for 30 years. So uh, that's just the way it worked for me. But getting out of my comfort zone from that standpoint. So. One of the things that I still do, some things that I'll, I'll look and say, I try to do a self-analysis. What are some things I feel I'm good at or some things I'm not as good at? Or what are some things that, that I've, I'm still a little uncomfortable with? Mm -hmm. And then those things, I've, I've now got enough confidence and a few years under my belt that I want to work on those. And it could be whether it's clothes or whether it's how you approach someone or whatever. But that's that's uh, been a part of my life. Yeah, it was a very natural progression going from just wanting to learn new things and trying to expand yourself intellectually and professionally to then now I think it's time that I have the skill set and the knowledge to create my own business. Uh, yes, uh, you make it sound pretty simple, but I guess that's probably what happened. Sure. Something like that. But I was still scared when I started the business because I didn't have anything to fall back on. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. But. Um, and, and failure's okay, it's just that you better, better keep trying, you know? And I would have done the things, some things differently now starting the company than I did uh, previously, but it's okay, you know? One of the things I'm most proud of is that uh, my top four people that I hired when I first started are still with me today. And I named one of them president. So uh, it's about giving the other people opportunity. I like to see them develop and about treating that other person with respect. So, Since building your business, you've also made the effort to contribute very generously back to the university, you know, particularly the various athletic programs, basketball, mm -hmm. baseball, football. What motivated you to want to give back to your alma mater? The, uh, the first thing I did was in the mid nineties when I made a couple of dollars and, uh, I wanted to do a scholarship here in the name of my dad because of our connection, as I mentioned, coming here with sport events and stuff and knowing that they couldn't go to college. So uh, there's a perpetual scholarship in his name I did in the mid 90s. So uh, I was making him proud, you know, so. And then uh, once you give, the school remembers your name, you know, so, you know, they, they're calling. So uh, and and through the years, I've done other things and and uh, but. It's part of uh, uh, a part of giving, and you can give a number of ways. It doesn't always have to be money. Um, uh, for the school here, um, 
I've done that a good bit, but I, I get a lot of gratification for it from it. Yeah, I mentioned just previously that you have donated a lot to specifically athletic programs, and you said your past ambition was to be a baseball coach. So, mm -hmm. why do you think it's important that we support these specific programs? Uh, well, for me, uh, I came up on, on the athletic side, mm -hmm. and so uh, I know they need the resources. Also, know it's a fact that any college that has won a national championship, football, baseball, basketball, whatever, the enrollment always peaks following that. People, all of us, want to be around a winner. You don't have to be an athlete. You want to be around a winner. You want to be around the Glober Scholarship Programs here at Haslam. So uh, those are door openers. And I just think it, it gives an opportunity to a lot of people. When I give a dollar to the athletic department, it could be football, it could be basketball, it could be whatever. But the way I look at it, that's a dollar that helps the whole university. If the athletic department is funding some scholarships here at Haslam or another uh, endowment here at the school, if I give a dollar to the athletic department, that's a dollar that they can give or a portion of a dollar they can give. So uh, sometimes we earmark gifts specifically for something uh, we're working on a new venture that starts in May here for the golf facility for the men and women. Mm -hmm. And I'm doing that. So that's an earmark. But other things, uh, we've, I've done some other endowments here for, for academic side. And uh, anyway, uh, I love giving. Yeah. And that's actually really meaningful because you said your connection with the university started off with you and your father mm -hmm. going to these basketball games and mm -hmm. football games. Mm -hmm. And you may not know what the Global Smith Leadership Program is at Haslam or any of the specific academic stuff, but you know Tennessee football. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that's really um, a wonderful perspective. So I will say this, Olivia. I spent more time this year in the business college than I ever did when I was here for four years. So, <laughs> so, so I'm doing better. I'm doing better. Awesome. Yeah, we're all benefiting from your wisdom now. Yeah. So, you know, aside from just monetary support, you've generously donated your time back to the university. Mm -hmm. You serve mm -hmm. on the UT Foundation Board of Directors and the UT Development Council. So what are you hoping to accomplish for the university by serving on these councils? It was part of me um, wanting to be involved. Mm -hmm. Uh, to understand the inner workings of the school and if there's some way I can help and I knew I was being involved financially I wanted to understand a little bit about the school financially and uh, so it was me a learning process really for me uh, I enjoyed that time uh, I've, I'm on other boards other business boards, which I enjoy because it's another way of learning a different aspect than my career. Uh, what I don't care for too much is advisory boards. I just won't participate on those. If I'm going to be on a board, I want to make a difference. I want to yeah. be involved. And you hear advisory boards, a lot of times it's just like, hey, a good old boy network. Uh, I don't want to be on there and find out what happened. I want to be involved to help what can happen. So advisory boards don't appeal to me. Okay, gotcha. You know, going outside the university for a moment, you've also contributed to the broader community and, and mm -hmm. that benefit spreads far and wide. Um, for example, you've contributed to minority education efforts and affordable housing. So, you know, in a world full of hundreds and thousands of different charitable causes, why are these two causes specifically important to you? The, um, 
Um, I grew up with segregation, mm -hmm. yeah. and, and uh, but didn't know what it was. You know, if you're not taught what things are, if we just let kids play, it'd be great. But when the adults get involved and start saying, don't, 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 or this person's different because of this or this, that's when we start having problems. Fortunately for me, my upbringing, we were all the same from my parents. And so I uh, only lived in two houses, one until we were eight years old and then later. So my first eight years in Athens, Tennessee, the house we rented was right next to wh where all the black kids lived. We were the last white family. All my friends were black. I kicked football or did a lemonade stand just like anybody else would. And so I think that made a big impression on me. You know, I, I was ahead of the curve because no one said they were different. I didn't think he'd name it. And so uh, then we, we moved across town later and later things in high school started getting integrated for me. But I know that um, a lot of minorities have obstacles that we don't even know. And um, if I can help them, yeah, I'm going to do it. Yeah. Do you have a specific favorite charitable mm -hmm. project or maybe something that was the most rewarding project for you? Well, one, one is um, I was fortunate to have like three sets of parents, my real one, biological, and then two other families in Athens uh, had a big impression on my upbringing. And one was uh, Harold Prof Powers and his wife, Ozell. And she was the lady that turned 100 that I mentioned I stopped by to see earlier today. He passed a couple years ago, but he was a principal. He was a Boy Scout leader. Uh, and uh, I learned uh, giving from him, not money, but time. He did a learn to swim program through Athens through the different schools, including when we were still in, uh, segregated and we had one specifically for the black students and I would help him with that. So he, he was a big impression, positive learning uh, camps, things of that nature that impacted hundreds of kids that are grown adults today. And so uh, I wanted to do a scholarship for him. So there's a Prof Powers Award for that county and it, and, and it um, is for basically geared toward a minority in that county where I started from. So I was really uh, thrilled to be able to do that. Just what I read about you, I know Powers has been a really great influence on your life. Mm -hmm, so exactly. it's so, wonder mm -hmm. it's so wonderful that we've gotten the opportunity to mm -hmm. touch on that, mm -hmm. that part of your life. So you said previously that you don't have to have a lot of money to give back. So what's something that us UT students can be doing right now to contribute back to the university in some meaningful way? You know, giving, as I mentioned, I learned from Prof, philanthropy can be time. You could serve as a mentor. You could serve as a mentor to another student that needs some help. Maybe they're having social awkwardness. Maybe they're not in a comfort zone. Maybe just spending time with somebody and what you're doing is you're learning habits and you're developing your own style that can be used later. And so um, that's, that's, those things don't cost money, but they're making yourself a better person. You're developing and you're helping somebody else because you will see kids your age, students your age, things paths start going different ways. Some people don't make it. You'll have a lot of tragedies. 
You'll have people that have all kinds of talent, but you probably already know some today that their lifestyle or what are their choices, that they're just spending time spinning wheels and they're getting nowhere. Mm -hmm. You know, I did a little bit of that myself. You know? <laughs> Well, that's, that's really wonderful. I think I want to circle back to, uh, back around a little bit. So mm -hmm. you talked about Powers being a great mm -hmm. mentor to you. Why do you think it's important that maybe students our age or maybe even younger should be finding that mentor figure in our lives? Yeah, you you uh, th those are those are guides. Those are I've I've had a number, and they can change. You can have a different mentor twenty years from now. You can have a different mentor, and uh, but you have to have a guidance. You. you in, in a perfect world, we get it from our parents, but that's not the case for everybody. You know, broken homes, whatever. So you've got to find a mentor, and you want it to be a positive mentor. And and as I mentioned, it could be another student for a while. We all can learn. I've learned from some worst managers I've ever had. And I thought, I remember one of my first jobs when I was still in my 20s, and I saw how, um, how intimidated the operation staff was with that company. And this guy, it was all about him and, you know, he was the man. But he didn't realize you, you're successful because of your team. And I remember some of the women that were intimidated to say that their child was sick and they needed to leave early that day. And I heard that. And I thought, that'll never happen if I'm in that position. So those, you can learn the bad things, but you've got to make sure you don't fall in that cat trap. Mm -hmm. So I always say it's about the other person. If, if you take care of the other person and use you instead of I, well, you will all exceed much greater than we think. All right, awesome, thank you so much. So this is going to be our last specific question for the other. Well, I was just getting warmed up, come on. Lily. No, we got a couple more questions <laughs> after this, don't worry about it. So. What's one last thing that you want the students or listeners to know about you that we haven't touched on yet? Or what's one last piece of advice that you have to offer? I'll leave alone the things I don't want them to know or know. Sure, <laughs> that's, that's it's, completely it's, okay. I got a whole list, but we don't need to bring that up. The, the, it, the advice is, is, I touched on this a little bit earlier. I, I break it down to try to find your passion and it, passion can change. It can change in a relationship, so it can change in a job. So, but find your passion. And then the other thing, if you want to see the best you can be, always get out of your comfort zone. And you can be 25, you can be 35, you can be 74. Get out of your comfort zone. And that's how you're going to find out. You're going to, you're going to build your weakness into strength, and you're going to have much more inner, inner peace and you'll find more success, and you'll be attractive to more people. So those are passion and, and comfort zone would be two things that come to my mind. Awesome, yeah, really, really wonderful pieces of advice. So now we're gonna move on to something that we like to call our Haslam series questions, and there are four questions that we ask every single one of our guests, so okay. are you ready? Well, let's start with the fourth one. Oh, do you really? I'm okay with that, all right. <laughs> you start whatever, yeah. Okay, um, what's something that you know now that you wish you knew when you were 20? I'll, I'll tell you what, if this is the way you might answer the question, I wish I were in school. And when, when I were in school, I wish I had spent time 
developing relationships and getting to know my professors. Mm. I was not focused enough until my last, basically last year. And uh, I, I, I know for the time I've spent this year over here, for example, the, that that's something that I really missed that would have made a difference and I think could have accelerated me in some other paths. That is such a wonderful piece of advice when COVID was happening. I had no intention of building relationships with my professors. There was no you know, feasible mode of doing that right. really um, without the face-to-face -face aspect. Yeah. And then this semester I made an effort to really connect with one of my professors and now she's like my biggest cheerleader. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And, it's, and it really is such an invaluable resource to have someone like that in your corner mm -hmm. and someone who has the knowledge and the skill set to propel you. Mm -hmm. So yeah, thank you for that. Um, Good job. Thank you. Um, second question. What is a resource, and it can be anything, it could be a book, it could be a news article, it could be even a <clears> habit <throat> that you found to be particularly useful? A resource that I found particularly useful. I, I would say uh, the, the last 20, 30 years has been inner confidence and peace. Mm -hmm. From the things that I went through that I told you and some habits that I built and comfort zone and, and things of that nature that uh, and the people that I work with and I've been blessed to have a lot of friends. So uh, when there's a bump in the road, I know I got people I can go to and we all have bumps in the road. You know, we always think that person over there, man, I wish I was him, you know, whatever, whatever. All of us have issues but they're also opportunities. So uh, I'd say that. That's a great piece. resource to have, confidence, mm -hmm. some inner mm -hmm. confidence. Mm -hmm. um, third question, what inspires you? And it could be anything, it could be a person even. Uh, I wanted to see what difference I could make from where I started. So the future? Or this, maybe potential this, future. You know, one of my first goals, Lillian, you know, you get out of college and, and this probably maybe it's a male thing, you know. Uh, oh, here's what I'm making already. Here's what I'm making already. Well, everybody was here and I was down here, you know. And and then so I thought, man, if I could just get a, if I could get a million dollars by the time I'm 30, then I moved it to 35. Then I moved it to because I wasn't getting there, so <laughs> moved it to 40, whatever it was. It was really about 45 when I first hit that goal. So there was 20 years later. So I'd make some decent money, but there's always stuff going on, you know, things of that nature and stuff. And I got student loans to take care of my two kids from college when they were, you know, so um, it's just not the success, it's not a straight line. You know? But um, you just, stay on the path. Awesome. Last question. What's next? Well, as uh, other than the baseball game, <laughs> right, right, yeah. as as a couple of my buddies and I, you know, I mentioned I'm 74. So they say uh, my nickname is Doc. They, they say, Doc, you're, you're about in your uh, fourth quarter, you know, like football game, fourth quarter of life. And I said, almost, but I hope there's a bunch of overtimes, you know, so uh, uh, hopefully we just keep this road going, but what I really enjoy now is giving back right. more, more than the money or just helping somebody. That's 
but I really liked it. Awesome. Well, that concludes our eighth episode of Project Inspire. Mr. Pratt, thank you so much for taking the time today. I've really, really enjoyed it. Thank you, Lillian. You're a wonderful host. Thank you. Thank you so much. My name is Lillian, and this was Project Inspire. Hey, thanks for listening to Project Inspire. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a five-star rating and consider leaving a review. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out some of our other Project Inspire episodes.